We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Heat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Giancarlo Navas. And with me today, we have producer and co-founder, Mr. Brian Goins. Hello. We have our professional screw-up, Alex Toledo. What's up? Statistician and Photoshopper, Christian Hernandez. One in 72,000 was the chance that they would miss 27 straight threes. Damn. And we have for the second time our guest Kevin Wang from Bench Buckets. Welcome back to the program, Kevin. It's good to have you. Thank you, Scott Foster. <laughs> okay, so let's get right into it. Uh, by the way, we're part of the Five Reasons Podcast Network now. Check us out at Five Reasons Sports on Twitter and on Instagram. Check out all the slew of shows from Ballscast to Three Yards Per Carry to the flagship Five Reasons Show with. Ethan Skolnick and Chris Whittingham. So check out our network and our affiliates and uh, all that good stuff. Yeah. And then uh, if you're an advertiser, uh, hit us up. If you want to sponsor the show, hit us up. If you want to be partners with us, hit us up. Like we'll, we'll make something work with, um, with our ad agency or anything. Like if you want to be involved with the show in a advertising capacity, and if you want to be a part of what we're doing here at the five reasons podcast network or heat beat or whatever, let us know and we will find something that works for you and, and that can include everything that you want to do. All right. So moving on from that, last night, uh, Scott Foster happened. The Rockets missed a lot of threes. They were seven for 44, which I find that like, I don't like, I think if they repeated that and if they tried to miss that many threes, I don't think they could unless they're just like getting air. Like that's crazy how many threes they missed. And 
Christian, you mentioned this like pre-show. Like when the two best teams in basketball play, it's oftentimes kind of a crap fest. I just I need answers. I need to know why instead of, you know, running through your offense, you know, trying to seek out, you know, corner threes, which are the best shot in basketball or running pick and rolls really well. If that's what your team does, why is it that they're just choosing to just play isolation for 30 percent of the game? I, I, I don't I don't get it. I need I want to know. I want to. Is it the defense? Is it that they're just playing defense that much better? What is it? I don't know. I kind of think that like I like I think that when teams fall to isolation, it's because it's the easiest thing to run. Like there's little margin like in terms of like botching the play, like you could miss a shot. But like the disaster things usually don't happen. Like you don't turn the ball over, you don't really offensive foul. Like there's not a lot that can like go wrong when you isolate and it's kind of easy. Like, you know, you do whatever you want. I kind of think that plays into it a bit, especially with the Warriors cuz when Durant like would do it, it would just completely shut everything off that they were doing. And if you notice in that series, every time Curry started getting going, that's when the Warriors took off. Not when Durant got going. When because like that team feeds off Curry's energy and his movement. Like when Curry's hitting shots, that means he's moving. And when Curry's moving, that's it. That's how that offense functions. Because it's yeah. usually coming off a screen or something when the ball gets to him, where it's like everybody <laughs> else is moving, everybody else is passing the ball around. Moving with KD, it's not really the same thing. Kevin? Yeah, with Houston, their ISOs, I'm fine because in a regular season, like they ice more than any team in the league. And that's really shocking for a D'Antoni team. But also, last time I checked, Harden and Chris Paul in a regular season, they were like both 90th percentile at least in ISOs, while also being, while also leading the league in ISO possessions, each of them, top two. That is true. And- yeah, I mean, and the other thing that they were obviously doing, I, the, the thing that blew me away was just how much they were doing it. And what they were doing is that they would just have Harden come up and then they would make sure that Curry got switched on to him. And that was about half of their offense was just Harden going at Curry once he got switched on to him and basically just going to the rim or, you know, just trying to juke him to, to get an open three. That was that was the large majority of their offense. And it was effective. And so, like, I understood why they did it, but still teams usually try to mix different things in and try to keep teams guessing. But it was just obvious what they were going to do. That was a weird strategy that I think both teams were okay with, because if you were going to ask the Warriors, like, are you cool with that? They would say, yeah. And I think that they still take that as opposed to like other things happening, like more motion off ball in the pick and roll. Like, I think they'll take Harden Curry isolations every time down the floor. And they think that their offense in their motion offense is going to be better than Harden ISO offense. So like, I think that if you ask Golden State and Kerr and clearly they didn't really adjust that, that's something that they'll take. And actually, it was, um, I think it was after game five or six, uh, Houston actually scored, like, I think it might have been, like, 0.73 points per possessions on ISOs against Curry. So, it wasn't that successful, but at the same time, Curry would get tired, and whether he's hurt or not, he did not have a great offensive series. His shot was off until game six and seven. So, they had that going for them on the other end. I wonder if the fatigue played a factor because I, I hadn't considered that, but that could very well be a way to take a guy like him out of the, like he needs to move so much in that offense. And if you're going to exhaust him going at him every single time down the floor, and it's not like Harden's an active defender 
that you know that that he's gonna tire himself at the other end. So I I never thought of that as a strategy, but that seems completely viable. It's what Cleveland did in 2016. Yeah, and they had LeBron just beat like like hold on like let's slow down on Cleveland's and this is probably unfair a bit to Cleveland, but like Cleveland's strategies depend on LeBron being a superhuman. Okay, so yeah. you know how speaking of LeBron. He he has 168 isolation possessions this off this postseason, which seems right because it's he's been carrying the team on their back. <laughs> you know what's crazy? Harden has 50 more isolation possessions than LeBron. That, has that just to shows be a pace thing. I mean, I, I I don't think so, man. How often was was Harden going up slowly and then not initiating until about 10 seconds left on the clock? Like they were not pushing the pace for the most part. Well, against the Warriors, no, but against other teams, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll I'll try to pull up the pace numbers in the playoffs. But like against the Warriors, I don't think you know what's funny about that is that we all thought the Rockets were going to try to out warrior the Warriors, and no, the Warriors actually tried to out Houston. Houston, like they were the ones going isolation and doing that nonsense that Houston does not playing at their tempo and speed. That was that was interesting. Man, I think fatigue plays a part. Not against Golden State, even though uh, Houston got the closest to beating Golden State that we've seen anybody do it. I think it's what killed well, Houston at the, the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, since they got KD, it's like yeah. at the end of the day, you can run the uh, the Harden ISO all day, and you're gonna find open shots. You're gonna you're gonna get your role players out. Harden's gonna do his thing. It's gonna win you 65 games. It's gonna get you to the conference finals. It's gonna get you to Game Seven. But when you do that all game, and you have to guard their team on the other side of the floor, at the end of the game. He's going to be too gassed out, and it's not going to work. It's 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 the same story that happened in 2015, LeBron trying to do everything in the finals, and it's not going to work when it's one man trying to do everything. By the end of the game, he's going to be gassed, just like me at the end of this long-ass take. <laughs> so, Chris, I pulled, up, um, <laughs> I pulled up the pace numbers for the playoffs. Do you want to guess who's number two in pace for the entire postseason? The Rockets. That's right. Miami Heat. <laughs> what? Go figure. Eric Spolster <laughs> got those slow-ass guys to play at that Philly pace, and they were playing at 103 possessions a game. Who was first? Uh, New Orleans. Really? Uh, Houston's ninth. Where did Philly go? Uh, Philly is fourth, uh, and the Warriors are sixth. The Warriors are playing at about 99.88 possessions. Um, the Rockets were at 97.8. So... Houston playing slower than I mean Houston pretty middle of the pack out of the sixteen teams they're ninth. Uh, Cleveland by the way second to last at ninety three point eighty five. LeBron team Boston always last? slow. Uh, Indiana's last. Ah. Milwaukee right Boston Milwaukee Cleveland Indiana round out the bottom four. So, you know I actually saw a stat um yesterday that the Raptors still lead the postseason in uh, offensive rating. I saw that too. Yes, they that, are 110.1. That's their championship right there. Dude, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm so mad because I watched that, like, Cleveland Celtics series, and I'm thinking the entire time, this Cavs team is no good. And Toronto's better than they are. And they just, like, I don't understand. They short-circuited. Like, I have no, like, I like I don't really believe in the choking thing, but how do you watch the Raptors and not be like, damn, they choke? Because they're so much better than both those teams. I think there was some that- truth to the difference between Toronto, Indiana, and Boston's defensive strategies, where Toronto, they just didn't have a roster that was adept to switching. And then when we saw this, like, 
the series where the Spurs play the Warriors, like the first game, they try to implement switching, despite the fact that they haven't really switched much throughout the season. And the fact that their roster really isn't fit to that type of philosophy. And they get destroyed. And I think the Raptors, there's some truth where Ibaka's declined significantly to the point where he was really just a liability. And then, you know, Jonas is third. <laughs> and Jonas really, you know, he really isn't switchy at all. So I think Toronto just, they just didn't fit well to the way Cleveland played. Do you guys think that the league's going to go, it's probably already going, but like the league's going to go to a very switch heavy kind of defensive system? Because that's something that Spo has been resistant to, even though they have personnel that like, that can switch like Jay Rich and Justice and Bam, they don't do it a lot. But I feel like the league's kind of going to that, especially, you know, Houston, Boston, all these really good defenses are. I don't know, maybe if we get Kawhi, it might change. I don't <laughs> Way to help me out, guys. Thanks. Okay. Yo, Brian's the only one that can't... Dude, Brian laughed me a dead fish of Kawhi. Brian loves throwing that in. Yo, Brian just lobbed Kawhi at me. Like, I'm asking a question. Leave. Leave. Kevin, are we getting Kawhi? Yes or no? Answer honestly. Yeah, you guys can get Kawhi. We'll get Anthony Davis. So, okay. it's all fair. I like that. Me, me, <laughs> I think that's fair. Yeah, that's the Eastern Conference Finals. Philly yeah. will get LeBron. Yo, are, I, we, are we sure? I saw this thing. Um, I was on my way back from work, and my friend got a notification. Uh, my co-host Alex, shout out to him. He said, "Uh, Philly was, it was some, was it Vegas odds or something that Philly had the best chances of getting LeBron?" Yeah, I think I think that's true. That's dude. I wouldn't I make understand. that bet. I wouldn't either, dude. I wouldn't would. touch. Didn't Chicago have the greatest odds in twenty ten? Who? Chicago. Yeah, that team was that team. David. <laughs> Okay, you know this, what's... this is going to sound crazy, but I honestly think you can't rule out the Lakers. He's renovating that gigantic home he has in L.A. And think about it. Like, if LeBron joined the rest of that team that they're going to keep, which obviously I think Julius Randle's gone, that's a lot of really athletic, long guys playing around LeBron. A couple of them that can shoot. So... Uh, I mean, how how long how long shot. before how long before Lonzo is LeBron's Mario Chalmers and then we get Lavar? <laughs> I, I, I think Lonzo that. becomes Dion in the sense that he gets traded by December. He gone. I don't know. I think Chris, uh, after playing with Larry Nance and Jordan Clark, because I'm not sure if he'll entertain that team again. What was what was that <laughs> tweet from Justin Rowan? It's like. At least the series shows that uh, playing with young Lakers <laughs> kids shows shows that there's no you don't have a chance of success in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, light years. <laughs> I I thought Bomani I thought Bomani's thing was funny on and he's talking about like man I ain't never seen these guys play I, you y'all told me they were good I thought they were good I see him play and I'm like they're not good and I was like yeah pretty much there's a there's a tweet from Chris Towers about Jordan Clarkson when the trade happened he's like Jordan Clarkson is my ideal he proves my theory that. We overrate players who wear shooting sleeves. <laughs> <laughs> we do. We do. Wow. Like, a yes. Hello. I'm here for that. Monte Ellis was like the prime example. You remember when the Warriors were actually entertaining the conversation of who do we keep, Ellis or Curry? That was something that legitimately was, was a thing. I've heard, I've heard it was, I mean, from Warrior fans, I hear that like it was always, they would, if they would lean towards Curry, but towards keeping Curry, but. They would need like a legit superstar offer to trade Steph before Monte. 
Okay, if you like, Google shooting sleeves, the majority of the first results are Allen Iverson. How great is that? <laughs> overrated. Overrated. <laughs> overrated. That's exactly. See, Carmelo I mean, Anthony. At, look at Melo. Hold on, wait a second. Hold on, look at so, look at Melo. He's wrapped up like a mummy from head to toe. <laughs> <laughs> He's Cover trying to his self worth. <laughs> <laughs> Covering all his flaws. Hey, you'll you be careful. His ass is gonna be down here. Yo, getting those those jab steps. <laughs> They're gonna oh, say getting Mel- those checks. Mellow and getting those checks. Is, is Mellow gonna survive heat culture and all those workouts? No, man. He's gonna do what Shaq did. He's gonna get on that bike and he's gonna take off the heart monitor and get fat. You think Mellow is gonna come here and work his ass off? Mellow is just thinking. Hell no. It would be a real shame if I got sent to Miami making twenty eight million dollars a year. Come on, man. He's not gonna do that. He's not. I wonder, like, he's going to be like, yo, D-Wade, I ain't doing any of that. I mean, Dwayne, Dwayne has resisted at times, that kind of stuff, and Dwayne's weight has fluctuated here, but I think, I, I think Melo doesn't want to come here because, because of that, and because Dwayne, I, I think Dwayne being here actually makes him not want to be here, because, like, think of, like, Dwayne's going to be doing it, and you're going to be the only guy that, because, like, man, he doesn't want to do that by the end of his career. It's supposed to be fat and take jabs at. I'm on the pod for the second time, and we're back to talking about fat players. <laughs> we always talk about <laughs> fat players on this show. Speaking of unathletic players, Paul Pierce uh, being the LeBron correspondent on ESPN is hysterical. I love that stand-up he did after the game. The what? The stand-up he had after the game, game seven. I missed it. What happened? He just talked about how his team lost again in a game seven. It's like he wasn't playing this time. On his own home court. Plus, it wasn't his retirement jersey night. Oh, I've man. man that, that sounds so depressing. You, you want to know what's really depressing? Jeff Green outscoring Jalen Brown and Terry Rozier in a game seven. Ooh. Is Rozier any good Jeff anymore? Green. Hey, is Rozier any good anymore? Do you guys want to trade him still? Oh, we were always on board. With, like, we have to choose between Marcus Smart and Rozier, and we'll probably pick Smart. Well, Marcus no, Smart said, what, what I'm, I'm worth more here? than $12 we, million. we have a Celtics guy on. Let's hypothesize trades here. Let's flesh <laughs> some things out. Come on. Let's barter. Horford for Hassan. Who says no? Oh. Not Miami. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not Miami. I, you know, Kevin, did you see what happened to me and Boston Twitter the other day? Oh, uh, by Boston Twitter, do you mean like weird Celtics Twitter or Patriots MAGA Twitter? Um, I, It was just weird Celtics Twitter. Happened. They were uh because and Kristen Kristen was the only one that came to my defense. But I remember back in Horford's free agency when Hassan, that was the year that Hassan was a free agent. Leading up to that offseason, there were reports that Horford was interested in Miami. And I saw I saw a story that somebody tweeted out talking about how like Horford really wanted to play in Boston because of the crowd and blah 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 and this and that. And I saw that, and I was like, I was barfing. I was like, no, dude, he wanted to be in Miami. And then the Heat didn't really have interest in him. And then he went to the Celtics, which is obviously the next best thing. And and obviously, Miami chose Hassan over Horford because that the first thing they did was max Hassan that offseason. And when you max Hassan, you're not going to pay out Horford, especially because at the time, they did not know if Chris Boss was going to play basketball again. Because remember, he went into camp. And uh, it was the fr- it was the day before media day that they announced that he could not play. 
Because they thought, they remember, he went in for like a clearance. They were like, he's probably going to play. And then he went in for the the physical or whatever. And they said, eh, not going to happen. So they go into that offseason thinking we may or may not have Chris Bosh. We don't know. We're going to pay Hassan. We don't have room for Horford. So then Horford goes to Boston. And I, 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 I hyperbolized, said Horford desperately wanted to come to Miami. And then Celtic Twitter got really mad at me. And they were like, find me the proof. Find me the proof. They're like, you stupid organization. Nobody likes you. And they were so mean. <laughs> <laughs> Can't be a part of hate Twitter complaining about other Twitter being mean. No, I'm not. I'm just complaining that no one came to my defense. Like, y'all let me drown well, out there. I, I do recall it was like, I remember Woj reported like Horford's like, oh, uh, Celtics, the Celtics and the Wizards are distraught because Horford's likely going to re-sign with Atlanta. And then like a minute later after Woj tweets that, Horford is signed with Boston. Because Atlanta for some reason chose Dwight Howard. I mean... I thought Horford was cement footed. I was very wrong about that. <laughs> like, I, Dwight Howard also on the shooting sleeves page. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but he's good, dude. That guy, he's good. And he, Allen Iverson's overrated, and Dwight's underrated. Boogie's on that list too. Yes, he is on Boogie's that list. Good, I've never, like, obviously, I'm not an NBA player, but I've never understood why these non-shooters wear shooting sleeves. Because they want to be cool, dude. Have you ever been to the park and guys are wearing shooting sleeves? Yeah, I can see that. Alex? I can't stand that. I mean, like, I, I like, hate that, dude. But, like, what, what, like, Andre Roberson has some damn nerve wearing a shooting sleeve. Like, come on. <laughs> like, what why you, you but, Why do you need a shooting sleeve, Roberson? Like, what are you doing? I like the bricks. You're not there for offense. <laughs> You're there for Russ to take your rebounds. <laughs> the best I don't is understand when people wearing shooting sleeves at the man. park, though, man. It's too hot oh, for that. I hate that, dude. It's too, no, I don't dude, any the of guy, that. The guy who wears shooting sleeves and an NBA jersey at the park. No, nah, but that's just, you're just, you're uniform. like already, yeah, a massive douche. I hate when people do that in soccer. Like when get come in full gear, socks high, soccer, like Real Madrid shirt and shorts. And I was like, dude, get out of here. What are you doing? Kaka. You look like an idiot. Shooting sleeve guy is the worst though. Shooting sleeve guy that takes it super seriously. He's also usually a headband guy. Oh, I hate headband guy. You mean Chris yeah, Bingham, oh. right? <laughs> Chris Whittingham absolutely wears a headband when he plays basketball. Comes in with a clipboard. <laughs> Have you ever played with like guys that want to coach? I want to coach you up. I want to run plays. Oh, Harrison. Don't get me started. Harrison, hot take. Our very own hot take. Harry absolutely would wear a headband. What about Nikaias? Nikaias oh, no, his controller. He'll be with his controller. He, he's headbandless. He's headband. And he'll have stats.nba.com open on like a computer right next to him. <laughs> Figure he'll be he'll lineups. be he'll be collecting synergy data on all the guys there. You know yeah, who's good yeah, on back no, cuts. Yeah, he'll get the best three man lineups. He'll be creating the data. Have you guys ever been like analytical when you play pickup games? Like, no, no, this is too inefficient. I can't do this. I'm no. always the guy spacing the floor because nobody else <laughs> understands spacing at the park. I committed. Turns guy, out park people I'm, don't understand I'm the guy, spacing. I'm the guy who stresses like ball movement, swinging the like swinging it. Extra pass, extra pass. Yeah, yep. I'm the guy that sets screens that are just a little too hard for pickup ball. Oh, you oh know what God. I do? I'm that guy too, Chris. You know what? <laughs> I'm totally that guy. Like, I, I love that. I have no shame admitting this, but I'm kind of a dirty player where if you set a moving screen on me, like first time, it's okay, I'll let it go. But second and third time, I might Chris Paul you. 
to the night. No. Yeah, no, see, look, I, I'm very disciplined Kevin. when I set a screen, but like I like I bend my knees, like I plant myself, like all my weights in my feet and I am not going to move. And if you try to go through me, you're going to have a bad time. And Chris is a big guy. So That's do, my Chris, job. you want to sh- should we set up a camp for Hassan? Oh man, I would love to screen with Hassan. He would get sick of screening with me probably after like half hour. He just says, that's the thing about Hassan, man. He's just one of those big that you can tell he's not about the contact. Like he has no interest in landing flush the majority of the time. It feels so good. I love it. Like, dude, you know when you get a guy like on a nice hard pick and when they run into you, you're like, ah, oh, I got you. Like, that's such a good feeling. We sound and I so lame. Roll. <laughs> it's so lame. You're saying, uh, we'll coach up Hassan. We'll see, we'll teach him how to set a screen or two. Ya- Yanni's, Yanni, Yanni plays like the guy, like your 2K 2K player when he's like a 55 overall. So you just set screens to get your grade to a B plus, basically. <laughs> Listen, when I was fatter, uh, that's all I could do because nobody would like when you're a fat guy. Like you guys don't understand. Like when you're a fat guy, nobody trusts you with the ball. So all you can do is set picks and roll and hope you get a pass. Because, like, when you're a fat guy, even if you can dribble, nobody trusts you at the key. Nobody. Nobody. They trust you to get rebounds. Yeah, they trust you to get rebounds. And even if you're not tall, like, I'm, like, an average height person. They expect you to get rebounds because you're fat. That's like, but everyone jumps over me. No margin for error. You have to, like, nail that first shot or else they're not passing it to you for the rest of the game. Exactly, dude. That's a lot of pressure. Like. It's a lot, you know, it's a lot of pressure when you're the fat guy spot? and they wait, wait, swing it. What's your it. spot then if, you, if you're trying to like get the highest efficient shot? What's right your wing, right wing the three. Elbow. Right wing? Left elbow. Left, left elbow. elbow, ooh. I'm, I'm definitely inefficient a, though. I'm definitely a three and a layup guy. I, I've, I've yelled at teammates before for like pull up contested mid-rangers. <laughs> Yo, <I ain't laughs> How could you? <laughs> you talking about analytics? <laughs> This week on the Five Reasons Podcast, we're joined for another Heat Stories edition by the coach, Tony Fiorentino. Pat was always looking for motivational things. So we go in the locker room, a little small locker room in Detroit, and you got you got a picture this. Here you got the coaches in their suits. Pat Riley's in his shirt, took his jacket off, and Tim Hardaway has his foot in an ice bucket with water. So Pat takes the bucket from Tim and he says to the guys, you guys, who wants to put their head in this bucket? He says, Zoe, you gonna put your head in the bucket? Zoe goes, I'm not doing that. Tim, Tim says, no, I'm not doing that. Pat kneels down, he puts his head in the bucket. And I'm telling you, it is the greatest coach in the history of, of sports. And I can't tell you how long he had his head under there. We thought he, we thought he drowned. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> oh he lifts God. his head up, he pulls his, he pulls his hair back and he goes, ah, isn't winning great. Subscribe to the Five Reasons Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. This week on the first ever edition of the Pitch Invasion podcast, we talk to the SI soccer writer, Grant Wall. Beckham has been so publicly involved with it that I don't think either side wants it to fail and not happen. But they see the demographics of Miami and how they've changed in the last 10 to 15 years and how it's even more of a a South American community than ever. That theoretically should translate into success for a soccer team. It's been a chore for a long time, but at this point, I certainly think it's going to happen, but it's never as easy as you think it's going to be. Subscribe to the Pitch Invasion Soccer Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Analytics have ruined pickup basketball. We are in the mud. We are in the mud, dude. We're talking about pickup basketball habits. No, but I, let's go back to Terry Rozier because um, Christian brought it up. Do you want to ask um, Kevin the question that Ethan posed? Where now that you guys are getting Gordon Hayward back and Kyrie next year, do you guys think that you might be able to trade one of your wings 
I don't know. Not, give us something, please. What's your season like? I say we. I say Jalen and Tatum. They both are not traded, and the reason is because eventually, like you're gonna have to give the max to Kyrie. Horford's deal is up. You're gonna extend Smart, Rozier, all these guys. Having young players, especially young good players on rookie scale deals, is super important by then, and especially because they're both like. I don't think either of them are young enough, are old enough to drink alcohol legally yet. So, like, <laughs> if they're that young, you can wait out this Warriors era as well and still be competitive. And like, they'll be in their primes by the time the Warriors run us over. Also, I feel like we're going to see more teams that uh, have more wings on the roster than anything as time yeah. goes on. And I think Boston's kind of set up perfectly for that. That's kind of where I'm mad at Miami for because, like, they haven't done a good job of getting the type of wing that you want today other than Jay Rich and Justice. Like, you want long, athletic wings, and what they have is a bunch of small guards, Tyler, Gorin, stuff like that. So, Dion. Let me ask a question. Is uh, Justice the future starting point guard? I hope so, man. We're like, are we all, Christian, are you team hashtag Justice Point? Point Justice? Oh, absolutely. I mean, especially considering <clears throat> his scoring is the biggest question mark about him, even though he's obviously gotten better, um, especially in the last season. Um, but yeah, he's clearly more comfortable handling the ball, you know, finding open players and kind of initiating the offense like that. That was when the, a lot of times the heat looked the best was when justice was running the point, And it's definitely when justice looked the best. So you have to try to maximize what you have. And I mean, at this point, is Goron really going to take you anywhere? If they don't trade him for some value this offseason, I think that's going to be a, a mistake. I, I've, I've reached that point. Like the more I've thought about it this offseason, and like anybody who follows me, anybody that listens to the show knows that Goran is my favorite heat point. Guard. Same. Same, like same. I love that guy. Like I, I, like that guy competes. That guy is so fun to watch. Like he, he cares. Like he's everything that like you know culture propagates in like the players. And like I, I'm all about Goran Dragic. But at this point, we need to understand that in 2018, a you can't like his type of player. You can't build around. Like you're gonna need. Like he's not great at drive and dish. Like, you need a guy who's going to penetrate and dish the shooters. And they need a bigger guard. Like, the leagues, especially the guard position, everyone's getting bigger. He's aging. You could probably get something for him. <laughs> something young that's on the same timeline as Justice, J. Rich, and Bam. Because at this point, that's all you really have. I mean, Dragic can't be your only creator, your only uh, player who can score and create for others. And it's like... Oh, I mean, they have Justice and JJ. I mean, but the problem is that you don't have guards that can do it. I That's, mean, Dion does it some, and you have Wade that does it some. No, but. I mean, I'm not saying that they don't have guys who can dribble and who can create for others. But I'm talking about guys who can score for themselves and create for others, like at an at a high level, like the types of you get me like high impact players. I feel like he's the only one. I feel like he should not be your best player. He wasn't meant to be their best player. But he's put in a position where he has to be. Like they're like so especially in that Philly, huh? That's why I'm saying that's that's why I, I agree with you there. You have to trade him because he's not in a position where he he's going to succeed as your best player. He wasn't meant to be that. You don't have draft picks. You got to get some assets for him. I mean, if they can get a, I doubt they can get a first round pick for him, but that would be a steal if they can. Even though that's diminishing return, and I, I don't even want to look at it at diminishing return because they got two really good playoff. They got two playoff years out of it, and the Bosch thing kind of ruined their entire vision for that. So if they take a loss of a pick, I think that's fine. 
Yeah. And I think getting rid of Goran would also kind of open the door, especially if the Heat don't move him. I think the season, this offseason, I think, could be pretty crazy. But James Johnson is a guy who I honestly think should be handling more of the offensive load. Um, and the synergy Wait, numbers more? kind of... Yes. And the synergy numbers really back it up that he really creates a lot of the best offense on the team of any of the guys that actually had any serious volume and his usage actually went down this season compared to last season. So I, and I, I, I don't get why that happened. I don't get if it was a passiveness thing, but the sports hernia. I mean, yeah, he just maybe, has, he just yeah that, that's very true. Right. Brian, can you tell people what happened with him? So a sports hernia basically limits the lower, um, limbs of your body from uh, moving. I heard that it affects your jumping. So part of the reason why people think his three-point percentage went down this year is because he didn't have as much lift on his jump shot this year. Also, part of the reason why we didn't see as many dunks like the one that we saw last year over Stephen Curry was because of his limited uh, mobility just to, to get off his feet. So I'm believing that uh, the this, this surgery is supposed to correct that. And I think I saw a story from last year where Marky Morris had his surgery done and he came back between six to eight weeks. Jay Rich is another guy that lost his springiness. Um, Jay Rich was dunking on people's heads his second, first and second year, and that kind of disappeared. Now it's a lot of finger rolls. Well, he's he's gained weight, like muscle. You mean or yeah, I think mostly or, muscle. Or the Dwayne Wade weight. No, 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 <laughs> mostly muscle, but and muscle's heavy, so and, that kind of. And he also down. he's also playing thirty five minutes a game. Also, out here guarding threes full time in those thirty-five minutes, mm-hmm. and defending the best players in the league. He was snubbed. So damn right. it! You snubbed. Can't be. I'm not even like that mad about the Bam one. I'm mad about the J. Rich one. Can't be. Like the Bam one, you. whatever. I, who are the I guys? Graphic who are the guys who were uh, who made all team defense? It was Drew Holiday, Dejounte Murray, Jimmy Butler. Oh yeah, for the guards, yeah, it was Drew, Drew Holiday, Dejounte Murray, DeJounte Dejounte Murray that... Victor Oladipo. And Jimmy Butler, okay. And Jimmy Victor Butler. deserved it though. Victor was, as Nikaya says, he was a dog. Like he, oh. offensive load, and he was yeah, amazing. I love Victor. So, Did yeah, he's not the one. Games. So Josh Richardson, I think, was the only guard. No, I don't think I know. He was the only guard uh, at his size or lower to have 100 steals and 70 blocks. Uh, he allowed the third lowest shot quality in the league. Allowed the second lowest field goal percentage at the rim for players six six or shorter. He was awesome. Like he was and uh Cooper Moorhead of um of NBA.com and MiamiHeat.com. He he was pointing out in a little video that he did that Jay Rich because the Heat don't do like a lot of switching, Jay Rich is not really like allowed to shine as a defender, but he does what he does in his role is incredible. So like he doesn't get to switch and just like guard one on one ISO like other guys, but he's very capable of doing that. And he felt that that kind of hurt his chances because the defensive system that he plays in. I mean, I don't think that's unfair at all because, like, um, I think the Spurs did, had a kind of a, a similar defensive scheme. And you saw DeJounte Murray made the team, even though he played, like, 22 minutes a game, if I remember correctly. Yep. Mm-hmm. That one was weird, he, he man. He did a lot and of Miami the same things they were talking defense. about where he would come in and intercept a pass and uh, because of the, the switch-heavy defenses. He did a lot of that. The... The Celtics didn't have a first-team all-defense guy either, and I believe they had the best defense in the league, which was kind of... They were tied They were tied with Utah, I think, for first. They were tied with Utah. Um, but Horford was really good, um, and so was Smart, and they had a lot of guys. But Miami didn't. Miami had a top-10 defense and didn't have a single guy, and Jay Rich wasn't even, like, the next guy up. They were, like, 
quite a bit of guys that were ahead of yeah, him. Yeah, he was 16, like, so he wouldn't, he wouldn't even have made a third NBA offensive team. Bam was a vote away from an all-rookie team, but Javis didn't even sniff that. So and, that was like... Yeah, Jay Rich was definitely more deserving than Bam was. No, yeah. The Bam, it was funny because <laughs> I was... <laughs> Um, I I did a graphic for um for Bam snub and <laughs> and I I put second in screen assist. Someone goes, man, second in screen assist, and I was like, I know I'm reaching, dude. <laughs> like I know. Okay, I just needed something. Okay, fourth in win shares, tenth in box plus minus, seventh in vorp, ninth in <laughs> ninth in blocks, which isn't even impressive. Like ninth in like blocks is kind of sad. Among rookies, noted by the way. Among rookies. This is all among rookies. Yes. He's not fourth in win shares among everybody. That would be insane. I need I need to know I need to know who is the guy, the one dude who voted Josh Jackson over Tatum for first team all rookie. Oh no, who's the guy that voted LeBron for all first defense? Who voted um, who? Somebody voted there were people voting LeBron and we're like, what the hell? <laughs> I remember a Boston guy voted uh Mello over LeBron for MVP in twenty thirteen. That, yo, let me tell you something. That was the low-key greatest petty moment I've ever seen. <laughs> he stopped unanimous MVP voting of LeBron James. Which, honestly, I'm glad it happened in hindsight because it just defines that era of Heat basketball. Just like everyone hated them, and it was perfect. I think it's funny how no. that happened, and then when Steph actually won unanimously, LeBron Le- beat him in the finals that year. <laughs> that, that, that fucking series is so weird, dude. The Warriors... <laughs> You know what's funny? The Warriors are invincible, and I also don't trust them. It's it's apathy for sure, and I think a I lot of it, some of it is on the players, but a lot of it is on Steve Kerr. In my oh, opinion. we're out here slandering Steve no, Kerr. Here's the thing: like we talk about, why don't they run more pick and rolls, right? And like the Steph Katie pick and roll, they didn't bring that out until like the second half of Game Seven, like all series, and that's like their go-to play. They're un- that's unstoppable for them, and like. We talk, obviously the players are to blame for coming out and just not giving a shit because they know how talented they are. Except, except right? Raymond. Yeah. And then, but at the same time, Steve Kerr, like in the past, throwing out lineups that just like throwing out Kevon Looney at center, playing Zaza and JaVale McGee a bunch and running a game plan that kind of goes away from what they're best at. Like that also kind of sends a message to the players. Like, okay, we can win without giving our best effort. Well, like, he would go long stretches without playing the Hampton Five. And I know that Houston like destroyed that lineup in game two, but like that's something that they should go to more often and they don't. I give Kirk always credit been weird because this playoffs he definitely did. Finally, it took him yeah. forever. Yeah. You know, they run a play. It's um it's one of Eric Spolster's like pet plays from the LeBron years where they'd have a they'd have Ray Allen or Chalmers screen for LeBron up top, like really up top. And then they'd have the guard flare out into the break. And then at that point, you know, LeBron has a bunch of options because he's so big. So you either get the switch of the small guard or, you know, you have a step and a bunch of shooters everywhere. So uh, Golden State did that with Clay and KD, which is pretty good alternative to Ray Allen and LeBron. And they were destroying. Like They were getting points every time off that play, either free throws for Durant or they would get Thompson an open three. And that's something that I didn't know why they weren't running more. Because, like, that's so effective. So I really agree with you on that point that they don't really go to the well of what works sometimes. A lot of times. I would actually agree with both of you guys, except I would bring up them not using the Steph and Draymond pick and roll enough. The one that they used to do all the time where they yeah, would kind of have Dre uh, set that's a, the one a screen for, for him and then short roll. 
Yeah. That and then Draymond. Good and then Draymond attacks like the four and three because they trap stuff. They kill. You know, and Chris, I know that you got to go um, in a couple minutes, but like we were talking on Twitter about like if the big three Heat played this Warrior team, like how would that look? Because the Heat, that those big three teams could switch, but they loved those hard traps. But they. The Warriors kill traps, but that those Heat teams were the best ever at those traps. Just like the Spurs, Spurs kill traps too, and they managed to beat them. I, I'm wondering how you think that series would play out. It would probably play out however the battle between Clay Thompson and Ray Allen went. Assuming that's assuming that sounds have, badass, dude. That's, that's, that sounds pretty. I mean, but yeah, because think about it. There's there's a lot of base kind of washes across the board, and then it comes down to your fourth and fifth players. You know, for them, Draymond. I mean. Who is the fourth best player on the Heat? Battier? I mean, you would think Draymond has the upper hand there. And and then, yeah, it would probably much come down to that fifth guy would be Ray Allen. Uh, I think deeper into Miami's bench, they're better than the Warriors' bench. Like, you know, yeah. Looney and Iguodala. Like, at, at Iguodala at this point, I think, you know. I mean, Wade would still have to be efficient. Healthy. And healthy. And LeBron would have to be playing like he is now. Like, no, but LeBron, LeBron, I mean, somebody made this point. Also, LeBron may be putting up numbers now because he's soaking up all this usage, but let's not forget that he's not the same athlete that he was when he was here. Like, I know that he had the incredible block a couple of years ago, but that was stuff that he would do routinely. That's not stuff he he summons it up every once in a while. Listen, listen, as a Celtics fan, like, when I kept hearing LeBron 15th season, oh, this is the best LeBron we've ever seen. Get the fuck out of here with that. <laughs> people just for I swear, people had short term memory with how awesome Miami LeBron was. It's insane. Was, like defensively. Love this guy. Like, like Kevin knows, dude. Kevin's honorary heat Twitter. Like, like no, and Chris love, I've seen nobody's killed my team more than LeBron. So like th- like that talk pissed me off. <laughs> you know, you and Paul Pierce know. <laughs> <laughs> you and Paul Pierce know better than anyone. But man, like, I just feel and I guess circling back to the beginning of the show, like, man, to see those two teams play, like, the two best teams of the of this era play each other, like, think about how great that would be. You'd have, like, all these legends, Ray Allen, you know, Bosh, Wade, LeBron, Thompson, Draymond, Kevin Durant, Steph, like, just these mammoth titans. Mario like these, Chalmers. Ch- dude, and Chalmers would feel like he belongs. He'd be, like, the greatest names and in the history of the sport. Me, dude, we did get robbed. We did get that one game in Oakland where LeBron hit. That was that. We got that. That was a great game. I remember that game. We we all stayed up. Miami stayed up for that. He hit the game winner. That that's what could have been. And you know what pisses me off? Had LeBron stayed, we know he would have still made all the finals because the East stinks. He made it with that Cleveland team, where the second best player this postseason has been Kyle Korver. So we would have done better than Kyle Korver. Man, does LeBron high- have the two worst finals teams of all time? LeBron? 07 in this year? That Nick team that, that made Knicks the finals. Team, yeah. you guys, <laughs> guys, guys, that Sixers team that Allen Iverson took was hot garbage. It was, it was horrendous. You know, I got in an argument with a guy. defense. Christian, I got in an argument today on Twitter because they were saying how uh, Chris Paul, you know, Chris Paul's nowhere near as great as Allen Iverson because he never made a conference final. And I was like, Chris Paul rarely lost to teams that, like, he, 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 he most of the time lost to the teams that were better, and Allen Iverson had to play Kerry Kittles and Paul Pierce. Yeah, that, that actually, that question is a great 
uh, kind of like a you know authenticity check on if you're a real basketball fan because if you honestly think that Allen Iverson is better than Chris Paul, you need to get your brain examined. That same that thing about Chris Paul often losing to teams that were favored, like that's the same thing with LeBron's finals record. Yes, well the Heat were only favored, I think one twice. They were favored they, in Dallas, right? No, yes, they yes. were favored in Dallas, and then, and then they were favored against the, the two that they lost. They were favored. Yeah, I remember. No, no, no. They, they were favored in in, uh, in the first one against the Spurs, and they won. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah. yeah because remember that was the season that we won twenty seven in a row. Yeah. So yeah, like, you remember they they wheezed to the po- they wheezed to the end. Yeah, but that was Chris, we that went, was still the best version of that Heat team. I I remember I remember the Heat needed seven games to get past that young Pacers team, and then the Spurs swept Memphis in the conference. They needed six games, and it was because Chris Bosh was hurt. No, that was two thousand twelve, the lockout year. No, the the first title, the first title they they went through the Pacers hurt. Right, I'm talking the season after that was seven games. Oh no, but that that team wasn't young. I mean, that team was formed like the first team was when the Lance and all that stuff, like that the Lance wasn't even playing the first the first series. Okay, it was still Danny Granger and and Paul uh, Paul George hadn't like really like come out as the best player yet. I was about to say fuck Danny Granger, but then I remembered he had that great game against Cleveland on Christmas. Heat lifer! Fine, I'll, I'll say it. Fuck Danny Granger. 